0: You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, we're talking about counter apologetics. (laughs)
1: Life, the universe, and everything else is a program promoting secular humanism and scientific skepticism produced by the Winnipeg Skeptics. You can email your questions, comments, or criticisms to us at L-U-E-E podcast at winnipegskeptics.com. Show notes, references, and relevant links can be found at L-U-E-E or at winnipegskeptics.com slash blog. So I had a
0: weird experience the other day uh, before we actually... Start talking about our topic. I was at Canadian Blood Services. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going through the pre-screening before I donate blood. It's, you know, it's always the same. Are you gay? No. Have you ever been to Africa ever? No. You know, I'm, I'm usually fine. I, I take medication, so I have to tell them every single time, yes, I've taken medication the last three days and it's mm-hmm. for this and you don't need to worry about it. But this time I also had ticked the, yes, I had a vaccination mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. So the nurse, after the screening, she said to me, I noticed you said you you got the flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. Do do you find that that really helps you? Wow. The nurse. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a hard question to answer. because. And what I said to her, I tried to be very nice, but what I said is, you know, I try not to make health decisions based on my personal experience. And that may seem counterintuitive, but my personal experience is bound to be non-representative and, and full of all sorts of bias. Uh, instead, I like to base my health decisions on rigorous statistics. And also, I have people in my life who, you know, it would be a major problem for them if they got influenza. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> right, you know, less of, less of an issue for me, and I don't want to be a vector for them. Mm-hmm. There are lots of reasons that people think that the flu vaccine doesn't work. Like the fact that when you have the flu, it's often not influenza. It's some other flu-like illness and like that, but it's just...
1: Or even just a cold that you feel crappy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But just the fact that she asked me that question just as a healthcare provider.
1: hmm. Yeah, that's not great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The, The implication in her eyes was oh you're one of those flu vaccine people i see
1: <laughs> well and she probably has to get it like as a part of her job mandatory
0: sometimes people fight
1: that oh i like guess nurses
0: too yeah
1: although yeah. you saying that you were at uh canadian blood services like yay we're finally gonna get rid of the uh men who have sex with men ban yay
0: so so they did shorten it down to five years are so they no get but rid the, of it completely. L- the
1: new liberal government has said that they're gonna yeah. reevaluate it and base hmm. it on science Good. No. Yeah. Oh good. So I'm going to be able to give blood again. It's really exciting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is a good thing cuz I mean really we need more blood donors, not less. Yeah. And
1: I mean I have the least in demand blood, but I'm sure there are some O negative people out there who can mm-hmm. now give blood again. So I'm AB positive, so the only people I can give blood to are fellow AB positive people, which are like 5% of the population. Yeah. <laughs> but I can take blood from anyone. Take, I, take, um, take. <laughs> I'm a taker.
3: I have probably the most unfortunate uh, uh, donating blood situation in that uh, I was so gung-ho to do it, uh, and uh, my mother-in-law took us, uh, but we couldn't find parking, so we left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. At least you can try again. We can just do this another day, guys. You know, well, we can't find any parking. We'll just we'll go out for lunch, and we'll come do this another day. So we went out for Vietnamese, and then uh, never, never back. came back. <laughs> Which is very sad. I was, man, I was, I, I legitimately, I was yeah. like super like, finally, I'm giving blood. I'm like, this. I feel good about it. I'm doing it. And then there was no parking. So really, it's the city Winnipeg's fault. I, yeah. I feel really it's their fault.
0: <laughs> so today we're talking about counter apologetics.
1: I don't think you introduced us at the beginning. Do you want to do that?
0: I was thinking that too. Yeah, let's jump right in. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, joining me tonight, we have Ashlyn Noble. Hello. Laura Creek Newman.
2: Hi there.
3: And Ian James. Hi. Ah! I'm going to make my business for a new noise every time.
1: <laughs> are they all going to be variations on an evil laugh?
3: Yes. Okay. Yes, hey, evil laugh, really? That's how you do uh, Sort of a pirate laugh. Okay. So, yeah. Pirates can be evil bastards. So
0: let's start very basic. Uh, what is an apologetic? Anyone? Someone
1: who's very sorry.
0: That's what I would say. That's the smart ass answer.
1: Yeah. I can always be counted on for those. Me too.
0: So apologetic comes from the Greek apologia, uh, which means to speak in defense. Uh, It's also where we get the English word apologize. And uh, just as a note, (laughs) speaking in defense is a terrible way of apologizing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, apologetics is the defense of faith, as articulated, for example, in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So Christians in the Christian Bible are charged with giving a defense of their faith. Uh, They're told that when people ask them why they believe, they should have answers, Hmm. right? So that's where apologetics comes from. Typically, those outside of a faith, uh, whether they're non-believers in general, or just members of a different religion, will encounter apologetics when missionaries attempt to convert them. You know, they they come and they try to convince us that their god is the right god, and that whatever you know heathen deity we worship is um, is not as good. Uh, you know, Crom or Cthulhu or Thor. Yeah, you know, you know, what, what have or Odin you? Odin or whomever you uh, guys got a day named after him. I mean, obviously <laughs> he knows what's going on. I've been on the receiving end of apologetics from Catholics, Protestants, Muslims, and Scientologists. and Mormons <laughs> too, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've actually spent many a pleasant Christmas <laughs> Eve talking to Mormon <laughs> uh, elders on the phone. So I, I'm pretty well versed in these arguments, and I typically enjoy uh, the discussion that ensues. I recently had a visit from a couple of very nice fellows from a local church, which I wrote up for, uh, for my blog. I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes. So, counter apologetics involves studying apologetic arguments, uh, arguments that attempt to prove a religion true or prove the existence of God, and learning where and why they fall down. Often they rely on one or more false premises or logical fallacies, or they merely attempt to engage in emotional manipulation. But maybe let's start the discussion with this question Is this worth doing? Is counter apologetics just a waste of time? Is even talking about belief or non-belief in God with, you know, people trying to convert you—is that a waste of time?
1: I don't think so, but I. Well, you're actually
3: asking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was one of those gem questions where <laughs> you ask
1: question. in yeah.
3: the intention of answering your yeah. own question, but.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He does right. do that. I, I assumed, yeah,
0: I assumed when you said one of those gem questions, rhetorical questions were gem questions, but no, no, no. this is a specific type of question where I just... <laughs> you ask the question, then yeah. you answer it, which is fine, because yeah. you usually also have known the best as the, answer. the lazy Socratic method.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lazy man's uh, Socratic method. I'm sorry I interrupted you.
1: Oh, no worries. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I also enjoy talking to people about their beliefs and and trying to ask them why they believe that the way they do and i actually didn't know that the bible says that you should have answers to those questions which i kind of like i'm going to use that yeah
0: first peter three fifteen. <laughs>
1: okay um
0: always be ready to give the reason
1: but i don't know i guess i'm an argumentative person at heart uh we actually are brand new aunts and uncle again uh we have a new niece Um, And we were heading to the hospital to, I guess, hold the new baby (laughs) Uh, this weekend. And the first thing I asked was like, oh, is it one of the days where there's protesters outside? (laughs) Because it's the Women's Pavilion. And uh, I was like, oh, I hope there's protesters so I can talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) And if you uh, go back and listen to our Skepticon episode, you can hear all about my experiences with the fun protesters outside Skepticon. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, I really enjoy talking to people and being like, so you have this belief. That belief is wrong. Let me,
2: hmm.
1: you know, ask you questions about that belief until you also understand that you are wrong.
3: <laughs> do you feel like we as sort of skeptics, sort of by our nature, are an, are an argumentative lot? Like, do you think always. that's just kind of part of it? Yeah, I think I, there's some of it, yeah. I find myself... Biting my tongue. I'm, you know, uh, in a lot of situations, but I also find myself in a lot of situations, especially at work, as being that guy at work. Like, oh, don't get them started on (laughs) ghosts Ghosts. or horoscopes (laughs) or or psychics or all the other stuff. And there are people that I work with who are not only, you know, religious, but they they do believe in all that Mm -hmm. other stuff. And it just, like, it makes me want to tear my goddamn hair out.
1: Yeah, I mean, Um, I think there's that brand of skeptic, but then there's also the brand of skeptic that is very much like... Choose your battles, and and there's those skeptics as well who are you know I'm just going to believe what I believe and I have my beliefs, but you believe whatever you want.
3: And I, and I think that we all have that side of us as well that like you know you see something on Facebook that maybe was liked by someone else, like you know it's one of those sort of yeah you, you're not friends with them, but they but some, one of your friends liked one of their things, and it's like well you Joseph
0: know. Smith liked <laughs> Angel Moroni.
3: <laughs> 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 I'm, yeah. I'm friends with Angel Moroni on Facebook, if you didn't know. <laughs> um, like, for example, somebody saying, you know, my, and I mean, again, it's not, not to be insensitive, but it's, you know, my aunt has cancer or what have you. And, you know, everybody send your prayers and this and that to her and may Jesus guide her through this rough time. And, <laughs> you know, you just want to say like, well, what if your aunt just passes away tomorrow? Then what you know like, but you can't. Not enough say that. prayers. Yeah, not enough prayers. Oh well, it was God's will. Blah blah blah. But you just you, you want to bite your. You don't want to like start typing snarky comments because it's somebody's aunt. But at the same time, you also there's a at least a part of me. I'll speak for myself. There's a part of me that wants to be like, does that you know does that really do anything? Like you want to challenge them in this sort of there's something they're putting out there in the public. You know that that on Facebook is more or less public. At least to everybody else, and you want to challenge them, but you don't have the heart to do so.
2: I guess just hearing you explain that it's like yeah I'm definitely a choose your battle kind <laughs> of subject because um, depending on what it is you know something like that I would probably just let it go as much as and I did for uh, the record. Yeah, sure. but as much as I you know I'm on board with a lot of the things that you're saying it's like this is a touchy subject and I mean so long as you know the person towards whom you're directing the comments and that would actually find comfort in what you're trying to say this is nope. a crappy situation. <laughs> no, Whatever. they would not. Yeah, and, that, and that's another story for another time, unfortunately. But, like, you know, that's a touchy one. But if it's just like, you should never eat this food. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. yeah this is and good. this is why. Yeah. That's a very good point
3: because it, obviously it depends on the context. Yeah.
2: If, uh, if. Absolutely. Um, and I think just as skeptics, the bar for other people to determine whether or not we are argumentative is so much lower than yeah. for other people, because we're often saying things that are not like the accepted wisdom or just, you know, the folklore that yeah. everybody just goes along with.
0: So anything we also. say is considered argumentative. Also a exactly. Good point. Also yeah. a very So I good think
2: point. it's just the fact that a lot of times the fact that we say something that is not what is expected or socially accepted you know, in a way you based know based like... on
3: facts and research
1: and yeah, the, the people that we are too are skeptics who are willing to put our voices on a podcast every month right um, and so the the skeptics that are willing to be on podcasts and even the skeptics who listen to a lot of podcasts about these sorts of topics are more likely i think to be the argumentative ones sure. rather yeah. than the ones who are just like yeah I, i'm totally on board with scientific skepticism but it's not a big part of my life i don't think those those are super argumentative right. people probably we are the cream
3: that is <laughs> exactly
1: <in the> <laughs> sure you can put it that way
3: did that even answer your question jim
1: because
3: <laughs> uh, i think it's now it's time for you to answer the question in a, ra- in a roundabout
0: way uh, just for myself i find myself wanting to engage in those sorts of uh, discussions when it is not invited less and less okay uh, yes um, you know, if somebody just posts something that is nonsense, unless it is imminently dangerous nonsense, I'd say 80, 90% of the time I will, I'll just let it go. Often that's because I don't particularly like arguing, honestly. Like I don't, I don't like adversarial conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I like a dialogue and I like to present new ideas and talk about new ideas and hear other people's perspectives and obviously i think that the things that i think are right but i also know that some of them might be wrong <laughs> yeah because that's certainly happened before and you know so i want to get their perspective as well but in a lot of these cases when it's unsolicited it will end up being very adversarial immediately and that's mm-hmm. just i you know i don't have time for that you know i don't need to get my blood pressure up i no. <laughs> got a family history of heart disease
3: but yeah. do you find that 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 or I, maybe I'll rephrase this. I don't find that it, it that that a skeptical dialogue is ever invited, or I don't find myself being invited to uh, engage in those types of conversations with people. It's always me that has to start it up. And and that's and that maybe that's a flaw of mine that you like you were saying you know you don't wanna you don't want to be at, you don't when it's unsolicited when you when it's like when someone says like sometimes well, I Jesus, will if somebody's out there preaching that vaccines
0: are causing sure, autism yeah, yeah. you know like that's important so I'm on my way to the homeo- homeopathic like. clinic
3: you you may <laughs> say something <I'm, laughs> my child's going to the homeopathic clinic he's got a very bad cough mm. hmm, maybe I'll step up and say something you know yeah um, but yeah I mean I guess do you guys find uh, in your experiences, did, I'm, I would imagine the answer is probably no. But do you guys find people welcome you into their into their dialogue when when you have an opposing idea, when it when it's this kind of stuff like the religious sort of belief system stuff? Because I don't. No one ever does ever. <laughs> I feel
1: like <laughs> when when people are actively protesting something, I think that is an invitation. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. Or um, when so, they come to your damn door.
3: Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. You're then at my they door, they, they
1: want to talk to you, and I mean if they're The example from Skepticon was people standing outside of Skepticon asking, do you go to church on Sunday? Uh, And I was like, yes, I do go to church. Let's talk. (laughs) It's not the kind of church you think it is.
0: (laughs) And if we had vaccine deniers coming to our door to talk, I would be happy to talk to them, too. Uh, And I like that invitation to a dialogue. Sure. Um, You know, with vaccine deniers, I think that it's worth getting outside of my Personal comfort zone and the way I like to spend my time in order to counter these mm-hmm. these claims. But
1: and sometimes too, you'll see posts where somebody will just post a link to something, or with you know, some people will just do the thoughts question mark. And so those are cases where I feel like it's an invitation, it's perfect. It is yeah, an absolutely. it's an invitation. Right. It's perfectly acceptable to be like, wow, this article is bullshit in the most tactful way you can manage.
0: Which in
3: your case <laughs> right. is wow, this article is bullshit <laughs> a
1: lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs>
3: What was your initial question, Jam? I'm sorry. So, so, is apologetics worth it? Is, is it, it worth is counter it? Is counter-apologetics, counter-apologetics yeah. worth
0: it? Sorry, yeah. Yeah. I mean, entering into a dialogue about the existence or non-existence of right. God.
3: Well, okay. <laughs> I, I think it's worth it in the regards that I would love for more people to, to, at least, well, with all subjects, to think more critically. We've said this a million times in this podcast. People should think more critically and skeptically. However, do you honestly think that you can convince someone who's been a believer all their life to not believe in God, I, I've i never seen it. So yeah, is, it a, is it a waste of time? Is it worth it? In the grand scheme of things, probably not. So it depends where you're going after. Like, yeah. I don't go into these conversations expecting to
0: convince the other person that their God of choice doesn't exist. Uh, you're definitely not going to do that immediately. They're not going to say, oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going right. to knock on doors for atheism <laughs> yeah. now, you know? Especially
1: for missionaries. Right. You're not yeah, going to talk yeah. them out of it immediately. Yeah.
0: But, You can hope to plant a seed.
1: Mm -hmm. You can also
0: hope to learn uh, about, you know, about why they believe what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And whether or not you think that what they believe is right or whether or not you can use that knowledge, I feel like learning about how other people think is just kind of a useful life skill.
3: That is fair. That it may be not about you converting them, but you yourself gaining some knowledge that you didn't have before.
0: And at the very least... just you
3: can learn from somebody that you may not have had access to.
0: And reminding them that, hey, we exist too. Even though we're not out there knocking on your door saying, Hey, by the way, here's the good news. Mm -hmm. There ain't no God.
1: We should totally do that. Even even (laughs) though...
0: Uh, we're not doing that. We still exist, and yeah. we have, you know, a right to this space and this culture as well.
1: The other part that I think is really important that I always come back to is the same reason that I was arguing for the uh, Ken Ham Bill Nye debate is that you're not—at least I'm not—really trying to convince the person I'm talking to. But there's always bystanders. There's always right. people watching. Exactly. And, um, especially, I think with—I think the Jehovah's Witnesses will often bring their kids along. And mm. so when you're mm. talking to them and presenting your arguments against God, it it kind of opens the door to, oh, other people believe in this other thing. You know, that's kind of cool. And, you know, and that's the planting the seed thing, but not necessarily in the person you're talking to, but in anybody who's watching around you.
0: Yeah, fair. Or I've had missionaries come to the door often in pairs. Um, and when they're not Mormons, when they're Mormons, they're both around the same age. Right? Yeah. Twenty years old 18 to 20 but when they're when they're not mormons there's often like one that's older and one that's younger and i've had plenty of conversations where the younger one was kind of nodding along and the older <laughs> one was like okay well we're, we're done here it's time to go yeah <laughs> right. oh no it's, it's one of them the atheists
4: <laughs> run
0: run and i do want to stress that uh counter-apologetics isn't just for non-believers It's not like Mormons are only knocking on atheists' doors, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to engage in these discussions thoughtfully and actually attempting to understand other points of view is is important. And we're all subject to these kind of uh, clashes of worldviews. So I also find that these arguments are interesting philosophically. I I like them in the same way that I like math. You know, I like logic problems.
3: Nerd. <laughs> so I know.
0: So, uh, so that's one of the reasons that I that I really love wrangling uh, with these metaphysical issues. I, yeah, I do too. And that's
1: a fair fair reason to do it, yeah. even if you're not talking to anybody about it, just researching it. Mm-hmm.
0: So one of the questions that I like to ask a believer who's come to convert me is this hypothetical. What about the world would be different if there were no God? So you, you obviously think the world is the way it is because there's you know, some God or gods exist. What would change if there were no God?
1: So I would like to ask a clarifying question. Mm -hmm. If there had been no God from the beginning or if there suddenly was no God? Either one. So I think Mm. as a believer, I would say if there was no God to start with, then none of this would be here. Right. But that's kind of a deistic, (laughs) a
0: deistic argument. Some of these arguments that we'll get into are deistic, but most believers believe that their God is intercessory in some way. Yeah. The way I see it, good things and bad things would still happen, but they would happen at random. You know, Mm -hmm. good things would happen to good people and bad people, and bad things would happen to bad people and good people. (laughs) Kind of the way it already happens. (laughs) You know, people would still win the lottery. Doctors would still save lives. Amputees who prayed would still not regrow their limbs. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it seems like uh, the the God hypothesis is uh, unnecessary. Mm-hmm. What about the
3: people who would say that? Uh, well, if there ain't no God, then uh, what's stopping me from killing and raping and stealing and doing all those other things we're not supposed to do? Well, and that's that's actually it is one that, of the questions in that, exact that, uh, <laughs>
0: that got asked uh, when these uh, when these
3: folks knocked on my door a couple weeks ago.
0: They uh, and you they know, seriously
3: asked you that? Like, yeah, well, yeah. How, sorry to interrupt Jim how did they like did so you asked them the question, and they said they no, put, no they they, put they, a,
0: the... they so they so they asked, well, what's to stop oh, okay. you from you know or what's to stop a person uh and I said, well, you know, God clearly doesn't stop them yeah <laughs> for, first of all. Right. um but good se- second of all, you know the reason. People decide to do or not do these things is because, you know, we're social animals and Mm -hmm. most of us have a well-developed and well-exercised sense of empathy for our fellow creatures, our fellow beings. creature actually implies creation, by the way. So I try (laughs) to avoid using that, but sometimes it slips out. And uh, unfortunately, you know, there are people who don't have that same sense of empathy. And I I feel like we still need to be compassionate for these people because in in a sense, it's not their fault (laughs) that they have that, that lack of empathy. We also need to be careful. So we need to protect ourselves and each other from, you know, sociopaths. But the reason we don't go out and do terrible things is because it would hurt others around us and we care about our society and we care about our loved ones and we wouldn't want other people to do that to us and society would function less and less well if people did that
1: yeah that question always really really disturbs me when people bring it up it seems to
0: imply that that's what they want exactly the only thing that is stopping them is this God idea. And hey, you know, if you need that to stop by all means, yeah, please believe let's in God. End this that's conversation. the now, I don't want to risk you. deconverting you.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it just is. It's very disturbing to me that the only reason that they're not out there raping and murdering and stealing is because they think God is watching them. And I think that they're not. I <laughs> well, think no, that. Well, no, and but that's what the question is implying.
0: It's the same like conservative, hard-on crime mentality. Yeah. You know, harsher sentences. You know, don't result in drops in crime. You know, as discussed on our recent podcast. But people like to pretend that they're a deterrent, right?
1: Yeah. And I don't think that if if they suddenly stopped believing in God, that they would go out and do those things. But it disturbs I, yeah. me that they think that way. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I,
3: I, there Of course, there are a, a percentage of people who would because they are, as you said, sociopaths or what have you. But the large, larger majority, I should say, of people who say, well, you know, what's to stop me from going to... They wouldn't actually do it if right. somehow it was... I think a God lot of those was people are it.
0: concerned that other people might.
3: Sure. And, 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 you know, I, I think that they're even, I think they're even just, the people who say that are even just sort of puffing their chest a little bit. They're just yeah. sort of, you know, putting out a, hy- a, a hypothetical, well, you know, what's to stop me from doing this? You better believe in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're yeah. not actually, they don't actually think that they it's do it.
0: Also kind of a veiled threat. It is a little bit. I think it is a little bit of a veiled threat. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. So let's get into the arguments then. Uh, I'll start us all off with a softball because it's probably the most common one that I hear and it still surprises me every time I hear it. So the argument for the existence of God is, look at the trees.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I usually say something like, yeah,
1: yeah, they're pretty nice. <laughs> Good trees. Yeah. Apparently when, uh, when Ham, the humanist atheist and agnostics of Manitoba, goes down to Morden for the Corn and Apple Festival every year to promote atheism, they get that like once an hour. <laughs> look at the trees.
0: And, you know, there's a perfectly naturalistic explanation for trees. Mm-hmm. For the record, and even if there weren't, you know, even if we had no idea where where the fuck trees came from, <laughs> <laughs> just saying, well, some sort of deity came down and created them, or set this whole thing in motion, that is a, an argument from ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's saying because you don't have a better explanation, we're gonna go with my yes. explanation. It's, it's, <laughs> right. the,
3: it's the classic conspiracy theorists. Um, I'm gonna okay. digress ever so slightly. I've been listening to a podcast. Uh, a wrestling podcast that um i'm
1: shocked <laughs>
3: <laughs> i know right um that jesse ventura was on and, oh yeah uh, of course he's a you know yep well what about this it was chris jericho's podcast i should say so well what about uh, listen to this chris the fbi you know and he would go under this thing and then he would ask a question at the end of the thing like well the fbi did this and this and this so what happened to this guy and so he asks the question but doesn't actually answer that question he just makes it seem like it's a really really valid question to ask as if there is a val- viable answer but he doesn't actually supply the answer to that 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 makes sense that is also you know that's what i think i feel a lot of conspiracy theorists well what about this this seems weird what about that but they don't yeah. actually go the next step and say well okay this is what it is and they explain that next part and i feel this is sort of similar yeah. to that it's like well what about the trees you, you know yeah. what about them Inject the next part of that, answer that question for me, and I'll be happy to discuss it. But you can't, you know, because there is... Yeah, so, like, that that you're talking about
0: is called anomaly hunting. They like to poke holes in the official story or whatever. Right. And then fill in whatever nebulous gaps that that the official story, whatever that means, has with a a generic, non-specific conspiracy theory. Something nebulous that presumably would explain, you know, whatever anomalies they find in, you know, Building 7 of the World Trade Center or whatever. Uh, But they don't like to provide a concrete, they don't like to put their nickel down on a concrete thing uh, for conspiracy theories, because as soon as they have an official story of their own, then people can start poking holes in that. That's (laughs) also true. Well, where did those missiles come from?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the, they just keep the burden of proof on everybody else. And, and
0: that is kind of like a, a conspiracy theory of the gaps argument, right? It's, Almost. Yeah, yeah. it's like, it's a god of the gaps argument. So as soon as we explain trees with uh, evolution, uh, by the way, is one of the hypothetical explanations for the existence of trees. Right <laughs> <yet>. um, <laughs> uh, natural selection. Pretty good stuff so th- then they'll move on to the, the the next thing well where did the first cell come from so now we're talking abiogenesis and we have some viable uh, theories to explain that as well and then they're like okay well where did the universe come from so we have to keep following it back and there's always more things that could be explained and it's that's a god of the gaps argument right? yes okay so we've dealt with the trees let's start let's start taking on some meteor topics Ashlyn, do you want to talk to us about how miracles prove the existence of God?
1: I do. So, because supernatural things happen, there must be a God. That that seems to be the argument. Sounds okay. legit. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, premise 1, super legit. Supernatural stuff happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's premise the premise 2,
0: supernatural God shit happens. God it. must be responsible for all supernatural <laughs> phenomena. Yeah. Premise 3, therefore God. <laughs> I think we have a problem in premises one and two. (laughs) Does that make the
2: third one actually a premise, though? Uh,
0: The third one would be the conclusion.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. I think you said premise three. three. Oh,
1: sorry. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Ah, jam screwed
3: up. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) jam screwed up. Well,
1: it happens so rarely.
3: I know. Now it's on tape. (laughs) (laughs) Not Not for long. I'm controlling (laughs) the edit. (laughs) And not literal tape. It's an expression. Anyway.
1: So a lot of people, when you say... You know, I really don't believe that God exists. They will try and prove you wrong by telling you about personal experiences of miracles that they have witnessed. Yep. Um, and so, one of the ones that came to mind when when I got this topic was my best friend's mom. And so we were talking about. I, I guess she had found out that I don't believe in God at one point, <laughs> and uh, she just was very earnestly telling me, "Well, lashline, I know there's a God because." When my daughter was very young, I was getting out of a semi with her, and and I was holding her in my arms, and and I fell, and I, I would have fallen right onto her, onto the concrete, and and she would be dead. But I felt the arms of an angel around me, lift me back into the truck, and that's how I know there is a god. But
0: not like <laughs> an alien that no, happened to be there. No, definitely
1: not an alien. Almost okay. certainly God. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Some because sort of
0: tractor beam. Because
1: <laughs> you know, that is what Kirk. she believes yeah. in.
0: Psychokinesis.
1: Yeah. So whenever you get one of these claims, you have to, I mean, what I did in the time, and I think I was probably, you know, 13 or 14, was just like, okay, that's, I'm sure that was very, you know, affirming for you and Mm -hmm. try and drop the topic. (laughs) Um, But now. Yeah. Now it's more like. So were you really falling or did you just have one of those moments where you feel like you lost your balance and then you righted yourself? Are you Um, remembering
3: the story correctly? Like, yeah, is is your memory kind of playing tricks on you a little bit? You've retold it so many times. You know,
2: lucky things happen all the time unlucky things also happen all the time, but we tend to really remember those times where it really mattered. Where, where things worked out, yeah. Exactly. And the cool. life of your child is one of those things yeah, that matters. Precisely. Such
3: a good point. You remember the times when it was significant, and you immediately for, forget all the times where there was, was no significance. Yeah, yeah. and, and it's there's like, no, oh, there's I no... put
2: one foot in front of the other again and again and again, <laughs> <laughs> again and again. woo Today Yay. is a good day! And
0: there's there's no parody in terms of blame. Right. Yeah, P A
1: R I T Y as opposed to P A R O D Y. Yeah, parity.
3: Parity. Yeah. Uh, Sounds the same. Is it derived from a parrot? <laughs> <laughs> No. It's, it's not, not
2: like per- P-A-R-R-O-T-Y. Just it's just not to, like as a parrot. I'm just trying to
3: ask a question, man. that's this, what, this, what this podcast is all about. Okay.
1: What Jim is getting at is that God doesn't get blamed for the crappy things that happen. Yeah, you know, right. like exactly. like
0: so the one angel saved her, but what about the angel that pushed her out of the truck? Yeah. Good point.
3: Well, that was the devil, obviously.
0: Yeah, So, so, yeah, exactly. so, so you know, in that case, obviously, you know, let, let's, let's uh, assume that she was, in fact, touched by an angel. <laughs> uh, let's assume she was touched by an angel. Jim, let's keep it cleaner.
4: Around him,
0: right?
4: <laughs> no! no. no. <laughs> oh Woo! boy! No. Nailed it!
0: <laughs> Nailed. That's what she said. <laughs> That's what the angels said. That's what the angels. Angel uh, actually, all the angels, all the angels in
1: the Bible are uh, male. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Uh, anyway, what about he, the angel that pushed her? Yeah.
0: Right. So, so <laughs> like obviously, terrible things do happen. So God is you know picking and choosing who. Who gets saved, I guess, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a, kind of a dick move. Um, Very much so. But you know, it is, you know, God gets all of the, you know, the adulation, all of the thanks, but never gets any of the blame.
1: Yeah. As Jem was saying, the, the first thing that we have to figure out with this argument is, did anything supernatural actually happen? And pretty much always the answer is no, or we don't know. Yeah, like hundred percent right. of the
0: time. <laughs> and don't know is perfectly legitimate, as yeah. we talked about with the uh, the the God of the Gaps argument or the uh, the argument from ignorance, right? Mm-hmm. Just because we don't have an explanation doesn't mean it was your pet. The explanation theory. is yeah. Gone.
1: exactly yeah. 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 And so there are a number of of these miracles that are um, attested to by the church. Sure. Yeah. Um, things like the the appearance of in the sun at Fatima. Right. Um, yes. A few appearances of the Virgin Mary, stuff like that.
3: In a sandwich? Sure. A no, I, don't been, yeah, I, don't I don't think, I don't think the that's Vatican, been tested. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I saw it on Penn & Teller bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and so, but we just don't have any reliable way of, of testing those claims. So there's, there's all kinds of things that could explain it. Uh, mass hysteria has a lot of... Uh, of evidence for things like this. And one of the biggest problems is that the more you want a miracle to happen, the more you're likely to see one.
0: Yeah. And it, it is actually astonishingly easy to say, make up a claim that mm-hmm. an entire town saw something and then repeat that claim. And other people will say, Oh, that's interesting. I will engage in no fact checking because I trust you. Mm hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Or, or because I don't have any particular reason to trust you, but you told me something, and as we discussed last episode, that's good enough for me. <laughs> right. Uh, and it just gets repeated, and suddenly everybody's- uh,
1: Decided that it's decided true. Decided that it's true. and yeah. It just yeah. gets repeated. Well, and even if you say, you know, my whole town saw this thing, and then it, it spreads, and somebody comes to this town and goes, did you see this thing that everybody's talking about? You'll get a lot of people saying yes. Yeah. Right.
3: Right. If something salacious happens, I mean, I'm from a small town, you know, something salacious- <laughs> happens in the town, everyone's was there. Oh, I saw it. Mm-hmm. I saw so-and-so kiss so-and-so. Oh, really? So there was like 30 people watching <laughs> these people make out? Like, how many people were actually there watching? Yeah. Because yeah. it becomes this sort of, like, cult...
0: This, this emperor's new clothes sort of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That is, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also people, you know, we generate false memories all the time, and Ian was alluding to this earlier. Um, you know, as you tell stories, if somebody told you that something happened and you're repeating that story and you repeat it, it's a great story as you repeat it often enough, you know, people will start to think that it happened to them, you know, and, uh, false memories have been induced, uh, in psychological studies many times. I don't trust my own memory about things that happened. It's a, it, it's, my memory is kind of like Wikipedia, you know, mm-hmm. it's maybe a good first approximation, but don't rely on it as your as your
3: sole source. <laughs> yeah. right. Don't don't turn it in for a paper in university. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. probably not. It's not going to work.
2: Now, it seems to me that the number of miracle claims must be on the decline now that we all have camera phones and everything goes on gets recorded all of the time because I really think so. <laughs> you well, I mean, but I guess maybe the number of claims might be up, but the number of people or the amount that might be, you know, attested the to the extraordinary ones, the ones that everybody actually says, Oh yeah, like no, the this sun thing happened. In the sky. Must I can only imagine it's going down because there's more actual evidence that other outside sources can say, Oh no, that's a sunspot or this is a solar flare or this right. is a that or this is a that this or this is people this is staring
3: into right? the sun for you know. Because I'm thinking if you, like, can, like, if you can find a video of a cat running into a wall or something like that. Surely there would be a video of the sun moving around in the sky. That well, the seems thing, like a the pretty thing is, legitimate. God, God
0: is Especially shy. He's really like... shy, and he doesn't want the NSA to uh, shy, yes. <laughs> he's God sure information.
3: God uh, went into your phone. He knows your he knows, your, he knows picture, your password yeah. because right. he's God, uh, and he erased that one uh, that one video on your phone. Right. Sorry, and then uh, let a bunch of people starve to death. You know, he's pretty concerned about your phone, but those people who are starving.
2: Absolutely. So you know, I don't know. I'm just kind of it's just sort of conjecture here but i'm thinking that the miracle claims that people know about that you know have made the rounds around the world and such like that are things that happened a long time ago now yeah. and there's really no uh, very limited evidence for things and things that are happening more sure i'm assuming people are making claims all the time but a yeah. lot of that is a lot more testable everybody wants their own 15 minutes of fame
1: you know, right and and the easy way to get it is to say you know I saw this miracle. Absolutely. But there's still places like uh, I can't remember his name the very famous um Indian skeptic
0: uh Sanal Edamaruku. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um he was arrested and oh, chased out of the country yeah. because he went to investigate a claim that a statue of I think Mary was crying. Yeah. And he can't go back home now because he was like yeah it's just capillary action dudes and now he's being chased around the world for blasphemy. So. Yeah, and, and that's the
0: same skeptic who basically there was a, a a yogi who was claiming that he could perform miracles and he was like, "Nope, don't believe it." And the guy's like, "Well, you better be careful because <laughs> otherwise I could bring a curse down upon you." Sanal <laughs> was like, "Bring it, man." Yeah. And <laughs> on live TV, this guy was like throwing curses at him for a while and brandishing like a ceremonial knife and, you know, Sanal was just sort of sitting there laughing and
3: yeah, it was. Yeah. it was amazing.
1: And he was basically like, "Okay, if you can kill me with your mind, do it."
3: Yep, and nothing. <laughs> if he had actually like at that moment Managed had a heart it. attack or yeah. something, <laughs> worst luck ever, <laughs> right? Absolutely. It'd be like, "Ooh, maybe hmm? we should just stop this podcast because <laughs> it, maybe it's true,
1: <laughs>
3: or maybe it's just bad luck."
1: So even if we determined that one individual miracle was in fact something supernatural happened, which I don't know how we would do that because we still don't really know all the laws of nature. Right. So how are we going to
3: know the laws of supernature? Yeah.
1: So (laughs) let's let's just assume that we've, you know, fulfilled the first criteria. Something supernatural happened. Mm -hmm. Um, The second criteria is God did it. And usually a specific God. Right. So even if, you know, a Christian person prays and their father is healed from his heart attack or whatever was it the christian god was it the hindu god was it an alien yeah.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's another thing yeah. that we just have no way to prove all, yeah i'm christian but somehow ganesh healed yeah. my father <laughs> thank you i appreciate that yeah. but i wasn't talking to you i was talking to the other god and i, I wanted stay to stay out of it next time ganesh <laughs> i don't know if ganesh heals people i'm just i, I have threw no a <laughs>
1: I wanted to read uh, a passage that I really enjoyed from a page that I was researching from. It's from argumentsforatheism.com. <laughs> and we'll the, link to it in the show notes. Yeah, The passage says... Even if a miraculous event is indeed exceptional enough to warrant an exceptional explanation, there is no reason to jump to the conclusion that it was caused by the incredible powers of a god's mind. It can just as easily be argued that, for example, the incredible powers of a human's mind or the cumulative powers of many humans is just as likely and unlikely an explanation. After all, at least human minds are known to exist, while the existence of a god's mind is in dispute.
4: (laughs) Whoa.
1: So I liked that. Makes sense. You no know, there we just we don't have an explanation for this thing that happened even if it is supernatural and so and that's okay neither of the the two premises are falsifiable or provable so if you haven't listened okay. to it,
3: listen to this I believe it's called thank you God" by Tim Mitchin I'm sure you know that song yeah that very nicely and comically sums up what we're talking about in this subject <laughs> I won't go into it because I'll just ruin it I will shit all over the comedy of that song so just go and watch it.
1: <laughs> well, and I guess uh, the biggest thing that Christian believers point to when they talk about argument from miracles is Christ rising from the dead. They say, well, that was a miracle and it couldn't possibly have happened if God didn't exist, therefore God. Uh, right. So, I mean, first of all, you have to believe that all of that happened. and <laughs>
2: Right, exactly. So, yeah, there's a there's lot of assumptions of problematics. <laughs> going on ahead of that conclusion. Yeah. And that is the argument for miracles. Hmm, cool. Nice. Good. Okay,
0: so I'm going to give a very brief summary of one of the dumbest arguments for God. <laughs> oh, um, goody! This is uh, more common among philosophers and less common among feed-on-the-street missionaries. Uh, but this is the ontological argument. Just going just gonna to make it as brief as possible and as high-level as possible. Uh, so the ontological argument is one of the classic arguments for the existence of God, and it goes like this. God is the best. Things that exist are better than things that don't. Therefore, God exists.
1: How yeah. do they know that things that <laughs> exist are better than things that don't? Uh, so the, the actual argument tends
0: to be phrased in a much more convoluted <laughs> way. Uh, sure. And uh, more, more recent adaptations use modal logic. But at its core, the argument assumes that the idea of greatness is uh, intelligible and quantifiable. And that a maximally great being uh, requires the property of existence. That is to say uh, that things that exist in all possible worlds are greater than things that don't. Sure. Let's assume that that's right. Um, Please consider the following arguments. Minotaurs are the best animals. Animals that exist are better than animals that don't. Therefore, minotaurs exist. (laughs) They do? That is awesome. Um, Or, if we want to take a a different route, God is the best. Things that are great mustache waxes are better than things that aren't great mustache waxes. Hmm. Therefore, God is a great mustache wax.
3: (laughs) Say that five times
0: (laughs) fast. So I'm not going to dive deep into, like, Plattinga's modal logic (laughs) argument. Because it would probably eat up all of the remaining time on the podcast. And if you don't have a philosophy background, it's pretty difficult to follow. But I
3: We do have interested. seven hours left on this SD card if you, want to, <laughs> if you want to get into it.
0: If you're interested and you have seven hours, uh, uh, look it up. Uh, and I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, but, you know, TLDR, TLDL. <laughs> trying to define something into existence is dumb. But, you know, we should, you know, look at the actual world rather than just the world in our brains and trying to prove that things exist or don't, I think. Laura was going to tell us about the Euthyphro Dilemma. So this, rather than being an argument for the existence of God that we'll talk about, this is actually the rare argument against a certain type of God, a moral lawgiver. So Laura, why don't you take us through it?
2: Right, so the Euthyphro Dilemma is actually, um, it was first posed by Plato, in his work Euthyphro where (laughs) Socrates is talking to the person Euthyphro and says the following Is the pious loved by the gods because it is pious or is it pious because it is loved by the gods so a more modernized and clearer way of thinking of this is are morally good acts willed by god because they are morally good or are they morally good because they are willed by god so does God like things that are already good, or by God liking something, does that make it good? Hmm. That's the question that is posed there. So, um, yeah. So from the time of Plato up until today, people are still talking about this and philosophizing around it. Yeah. And but such. It,
1: I mean, it assumes the existence of God, right? Right in there. So
2: it, it does. It does. But it's a. It's also a very common um, dilemma that is posed for. Uh, up in or that apologetics tries to deal with, and then that counter apologetics can deal with.
0: Yeah, as well. like the re- the reason is because people will often make a moral case, right? right? We, yeah. God. Like God we were exists saying before, if exist. there
2: was no God, what would stop me from yeah, yeah. yada yada? No right? Morals so this God is morals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. how do you
0: explain <laughs> the existence of you know morality? Um, the, we, we all agree that certain things are wrong and certain things are right. How can you explain that without a God? Right. Okay, so this exactly. addresses that question.
2: So yeah, so this question does assume in a way that there is a God. Um, or or it posits it or for it posits, the sake of argument. Yeah, for the sake of argument, in any case. It also assumes that this God that um, people are talking about would be omnipotent, benevolent, and omniscient as well. And this, those are assumptions that many uh, theists do make when it comes to their... Well, at least monotheists tend to make those yeah. those assumptions about their god. I would actually
0: argue that we don't need all of those omnis for this argument. Because I, I think when Plato, when Socrates, the character of Plato, uh, ma- you know, made this argument or asked this question, he was talking about the gods, plural, you know, like the Greek gods or whatever. But you don't need a god that is able to stop all things that are bad from happening. You just need a god that can say, hey please do these things and not these things.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are some parts of this that actually do get into the omnipotent or omnibenevolent part of it, but it's not necessary. Anyway, in the context that we're talking about, since we live in North America, where the most common religions are monotheistic, and um, those are assumptions about the gods or the god of those religions, let's just go with that for the sake of clarity. So. This connects to something called the divine command theory. And this is part of a lot of theistic, especially Christian philosophy, um, where God is necessarily good and his actions, uh, as are his actions, and all morality stems from God or re- requires God's command for it to be meaningful. So that's sort of the premise that um, the apologists are, are working from in their philosophy and, and worldview for this. So going back to the Euthyphro Dilemma, the statement there. Uh, So it, it comes in two parts. There's really two questions there, right? The first one, are morally good acts willed by God because they are morally good? What this really comes down to is that if this is true, then this means that God is drawing on some objective morality that is outside of himself. And there are rules that he must follow. So there is some morality outside of him that says these things are good and these things are bad. And God looks at that list and he goes, yes. <laughs> cool and he goes <laughs> people of earth these your things are please. good and these things are bad <laughs> yeah. right people of earth your attention please this is prosthetic vogue on jokes of the galactic hyperspace Planning council
0: god is the divine messenger
2: <laughs> pretty pretty yeah. much right god is a messenger in this case because huh. there is it is outside of him he didn't come up with these things these things were good and god said yes so, i agree they are good all of you people hear these good things or hear very, the, these things are not good so that so if that is true then there is an objective morality so then the question is because this morality exists independent of god then god has nothing to do with morality at all right because that morality was there whether god was there or not god followed that morality so then thus it should follow that that morality is there for us whether god is there or not
0: god isn't god God doesn't serve to explain morality
2: yeah (laughs) and and the part where we were talking about the omnipotence and that where this part of it comes into it is that um if this statement is true then this actually questions god's omnipotence because there is a force outside of him that constrains his actions that morality Mm. force if god is omnipotent he can do anything right he has all of the power all of he can do anything he is all-powerful However, there's this morality for us that says, no, these things are good. These things are bad. And because God is all good, he must do the good things and he must not do the bad things. Thus, his power is constrained. So he okay. is not um- omnipotent. Right. So That's either really he's not
0: omnibenevolent or not omnipotent, or we have
1: to take the other horn of the dilemma.
0: Exactly.
2: Exactly. <laughs> mm, <laughs> interesting. So that is the first part. You're following me so far here? Okay.
1: I'm, I'm kind of terrified to ask this, but I have to know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: What does that argument
1: have to say about the whole free will thing?
3: Um, (laughs) Okay, there's a basilisk. (laughs) Holy
0: shit, did we just create an evil god in the future that's going to torture us?
2: Quite honestly, um, that part of it is, uh, there are some good explanations for that that I didn't actually And it's really long. It was longer, it was... There is uh, some good information on the Wikipedia page, um, ironchariots.org, and then uh, philosophyofreligion.org, I okay. believe. So I guess um, I'm just thinking sources. about like, and
1: if God is making you do moral things, do you still have free will?
2: <laughs> yeah. So on, the, on my sources, I don't know that they were talking about that particularly, but okay. they were talking, there were some arguments about, does God then have free will?
1: Okay. Right. So you can things. look it up so, online. So if you you're can interested. definitely look
2: it up if you really want to go more in depth, but <laughs> so that is an excellent question. Will. Okay, so that was the first question <laughs> in the dilemma. So now let's go on to the second question, which is, are are morally good acts morally good because they are willed by God? So again, is something good because God said it or did it, yeah. right? See, and that yeah. is what made it good. This is the other, the other horn of it. So again, if previous assumptions, God is omnipotent, omnibenevolent, yada, yada. Um, So then all of God's actions must be considered good because they originate from God. And God decides and creates all of the rules of morality. So there's a few problems with this premise. First problem is that it's actually very arbitrary then. Yeah. Okay. So if there is no objective moral standard, how does God decide what is good or bad? What reasons does he use for this, right? Ultimately, God the things that he says are good and the things that he says are bad could be just on a whim. There there's no reason at all. So
0: And he kind of can't have reasons, right? Because if he had reasons for choosing good or bad, it would
2: imply that it's the first part, there's it's an the outside first part standard. of the dilemma. Absolutely. So if there are no other reasons, then it's just completely whatever God felt like at that moment was good or bad.
1: <laughs> Mind blown.
2: Yes, exactly.
3: Did you have one of those moments when you finally got all this in your head, and you're like,
2: "What is this?" <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty good.
3: <laughs> Two hours before I arrived, you was when you when you came to that eureka moment.
2: Yeah. Uh, this also implies that God can change morality as He chooses, because if if all of the things that are good were just decided on a whim, mm-hmm. why couldn't He just change it? There is no <laughs> because there's no outside force, there's no outside constraints. He's just doing whatever He wants. Also, but that's here. what happens when the Pope says things like, eh, the gays are all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they so, are. So God- they are all right." So <laughs> under like hypothetically under this horn of the dilemma, if God were to say. That throwing rocks at kids is what you're supposed to do, I guess if they talk back to their parents or whatever, uh, then that would in that moment become the moral truth that is good. If God were to say that stealing is moral, then suddenly that is.
2: And and we'll actually get to that in a little bit more in depth, but no, you're exactly on the right path there. So yeah, so really it comes down to it being very arbitrary. And of course, this is a very unsatisfying answer for most people. Like yeah. really, the whole universe <laughs> is created on God's arbitrary decisions.
1: I definitely could not live with that.
2: No, absolutely. It seems <laughs> completely illogical and just there is no backing for that. So that's the, one of the first major problems. I feel like um, I could
0: live with a lot. <laughs>
2: A second major problem for a lot of people is, um, it's called the emptiness problem. It basically means that the statements about the goodness of God and, um, the importance of God become useless at that point because all of his decisions were completely arbitrary based on nothing. Why is he good then? Why are the things that he does good? Saying God is good just means that God does things essentially because (laughs) if the things that god does are good well god does things okay that's a thing so then why should he be worshipped why should why is he deserving of praise why is why is he an important factor in our lives if he's just doing things a really great statement that i found um from one of my sources is quoting a philosopher with the last name Leibniz. he says that divine command theorists deprive god of the designation good for what cause could one have to praise him for what he does if in doing something quite different, he would have done equally well.
3: Yeah. Makes sense.
2: Right? Sure. I thought that yeah. really summed it up yeah. well for that. So it's just,
3: Yeah. If okay. He, if he does one thing or another thing, it's all good. I know what you're trying to say.
2: Yes, exactly. So that and was it, just a really good sentiment there.
3: It does seem like if
0: divine command theory is correct... We still seem to have come up with all sorts of rationalizations for why things are good and bad. We don't feel like, you know, killing somebody is bad. Oh, it's just because God said. I don't think any of us feel that that's the reason that killing somebody is bad. You know, we have other intuitions, moral intuitions that tell us that it's bad for other reasons.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Divine
3: command theory? Mm -hmm. Good name for a band.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. And then one of the last major problems, and there, there are more out there, but this is one of the best known major problems, is that abhorrent or terrible things can then become good. If this premise is true, mm-hmm. then God can say, everybody, murdering is a-okay. I insist that you do it once a day.
0: <laughs> w- and... We'll call it the purge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and then it becomes good. And that is a problem for a lot of people because if God wills it, it must become good. Oh, so, yeah. and this comes back to what Jem was just saying with that internal morality, you know, we, mm-hmm. most people feel that murdering is bad.
1: Yeah. And example. if you have to do it once a day, then that's going to be really quickly the end of humanity. <laughs>
2: right. Okay. So that was an overstatement. <laughs> nah, I'm but just you know, th- Yeah. The <laughs> idea is that if, if God took something that we've generally decided is a bad idea <laughs> and said, this is how we roll now. We would have to then accept that. I like
3: that that's how and he that
2: Yeah. This well, is
3: how I roll.
2: <laughs> and it actually world. really
1: bothers me now that my example of like suddenly the gays are okay, like some people would actually view that on the level of now murder is cool.
3: Yeah, if, if God did decide <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. that both gays are okay and murdering is cool, those are now equivalents, is what you're sort of saying. Like yeah, there are Under people this... out there
1: who would who would Think of God deciding that the gays were okay. You know that would be a, a moral issue for them on the same level as God Almost saying e- equally as yeah,
3: yeah as, um, as murder yeah yeah yeah, right. that, that's, yeah that's pretty that's, uh, upsetting
2: and That is upsetting. Another another step towards this as well is that remember too that assuming that that second t- premise is true, there is no outside limits to stop God from doing this at any time. Oh man, that's terrible. so yeah. Any moment now, God could turn around and say, "Nope, rape, murder, genocide. Let's do it." And all arguably, the time, and we would have to accept that ha, as ha, good.
0: Has done so. Yeah, and
2: has. Done yeah, right. So. It, yeah. Like if you
0: look at the Bible, like that, that, that's a convenient way to explain all of the genocide that goes on there, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, exactly. And, and so, and that, there are great examples of that pointed out in the ref, the um, my references, which will be in the show notes there. So it's not hard to find examples of this. Yeah, it's not just that bad things could become good. It's that in this scenario, there are no limits to stop God because we know that all of his decisions are arbitrary. So he could at any time for any reason or no reason at all. Could just because he was itchy one day and didn't like that, you yeah. know, whatever whatever it was. So that's a pretty terrifying premise, mm-hmm. if it were true.
3: If it were true.
2: If it were true.
0: Yeah, one of the... Uh... One of the things that apologists and counter apologists will, will get into the weeds about is, you know, the, the massacre of the Canaanites by the Israelites in the Bible, uh, uh, for example, and <laughs> William Lane Craig has, you, you know, so, so, so the Israelites were commanded by God to slaughter the Canaanites and uh, William Lane Craig Uh, has stated that that was a moral good. You know, uh, God commanded them to kill all of them, women, children, livestock too, I think, you know. (laughs) Uh, And uh, so people have pointed that out as a great moral evil that God commanded. And uh, Craig stated that, yeah, we should feel bad about that. We should feel bad for the Israelites because can you imagine how horrible it would be to have to kill all those women and children? (laughs) Uh, You know how hard that would be for them, but obviously it was a moral good, but it was just really hard for those guys It was harsh tokes. (laughs) Yeah Uh, And a lot of people were justifiably horrified
2: (laughs) Yeah That's all I had.
0: So so one of the things that I wanted to mention before we move off of Euthyphro is that some uh, apologists will try to uh, pick a third path. I'll call it splitting the horns And they'll talk about this third option. So the two options that we have are either uh, God commands things and thus they are good. Or things are good and thus God commands them uh, outside of God. But there's a third path where we'll say that we can split the horns and they'll say that things aren't good because God commands them. Goodness is part of God's nature. And so God is communicating these things, but they're not arbitrary, and he couldn't change them. They couldn't be otherwise. He is communicating what is good as part of his nature. But this still falls prey to a lot of the problems that Laura mentioned with the, the second horn of the dilemma, uh, namely that we can't praise God for being good. You know, that's a contentless statement. Right. Also, we can't even praise like each other for being good. You know, you were good, but just like in divine command theory, you were just doing the thing that you've been commanded to do. It is not intrinsically good, in and of itself. It is not praiseworthy. It's just the arbitrary thing that you were told to do. Right. And this is not only unsatisfying, it's also not particularly intelligible, I think. What would it mean for goodness to be part of God's nature, and how is that fundamentally different From goodness being something that is outside of God's nature, but is still being communicated. I I guess that gets around the problem of us being able to take God out of the equation. But it still has the problem with God not being able to change it. So losing his omnipotence, it still has the problem with goodness being uh, an empty idea.
1: So they didn't like the two options. So they were just like, we're going to make a nice fuzzy option that we can pick.
2: Yeah. Right. (laughs)
0: Pretty much. And the guys on Reasonable Doubts actually uh, have talked about that, that splitting the horns of the Euthyphro Dilemma uh, on their podcast, and so uh, I'll see if I can link to that in the show notes, too. So, Ian, mm. you were going to tell us about the argument from design?
3: Yes, Jim. I was. We've already sort of uh, touched on it a little bit uh, with the look at the trees uh, sort, of, uh, sort of idea.
1: Trees are awesome.
3: Trees are awesome. Um, But I'd like to start uh, with a quote. Um, uh, Jem sent me some uh, stuff to look at for uh, doing some research. And there was a quote at the very top uh, of the research that uh, was sent to me. Um, So I will quote it now. Quote, Then I started thinking, wait, the Big Bang. For a Big Bang to create all this is more wild to think about than thinking about there being a god. Imagine putting a bunch of gold into a box, shaking up the box, and it comes out a Rolex. It's so preposterous once people start saying it. And if you don't know that quote, it's from noted evolutionary biologist and cosmologist, Justin Bieber. <laughs> so, and I, I just, I really liked the snark of the, of this article that you sent me, yeah. the, the research that it says, uh, and so this quote is from Justin Bieber, but it's it, uh, underneath where, you know, the little dash and says noted evolutionary biologist and cosmologist, Justin Bieber. Yeah. Um, so basically what he's saying is that if you took a bunch of gold and stuck it in a box and shuck it around, you you, uh, you would get a Rolex. That's his explanation of what, of what he thinks scientists think.
2: I have to say, I'm really impressed that Bieber came up with the word preposterous.
3: Preposterous, yeah. That well, that, was yeah I should impressive. really make sure that yeah. quote is correct. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. That is... A little, a little strange that uh, that he would say such a word.
0: And that's a variant of uh, the sort of argument that you get a lot of the time. It's uh, also called the 747. Uh, the Boeing in... 747 thing? Yeah, the 747 yeah. in a windstorm. You know, the, a, yes. a windstorm blows through a junkyard and assembles a 747 just yeah. randomly.
3: Because it's, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't actually, you can talk about that if you want. We'll bring that up because it'll, it'll sort of uh, sure. play into what I'm about to say. I will do a slight uh, read because I think this is a very good um, summary of the argument from design. Uh, And then we'll go into some more talky stuff. According to the argument from design, or teleological? Teleological argument. Teleological argument. Teleological means uh, having a purpose. Having a purpose. The design or order found in the universe provides evidence for the existence of an intelligent designer, or orderer, usually identified as God. The classic version of this argument appears in William Paley's 1802, Natural Theology, where Paley Mm -hmm. compares the complexity of living things to the inferior complexity of a watch that we know to be designed by intelligent being. Just as a watch could not exist without a watchmaker, Paley argued, living things could not exist without an intelligent designer. The argument from analogy runs as follows. Since watches are the product of intelligent design and living things are like watches in having complicated mechanisms which serve a purpose, living things are probably the products of intelligent design as well. So basically what that means is that uh, you look at the trees and you say, well, those trees are so beautiful and so, look at how well they operate and and how they expel oxygen that we need to breathe, but yet they take in carbon dioxide that we can't breathe. Uh, Obviously, that system is so perfect that it had to have been designed. Right. And there's obviously a ton of different variants and and, uh, expansions uh, on this idea, um, which plays, of course, into the idea of creationism that, that... um, or or intelligent design um, in the sort of more uh, how the universe got here in the first place type of thing and why it is the way it is is because it was designed as such by God in, in its entirety as it exists now, in contrast to evolution where it was obviously an extremely long, protracted process of things trying and failing and trying and failing, and then something finally succeeds. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of creationist or intelligent design, and I think everybody who listens to this podcast and everybody sitting at this table pretty much already knows this, but the intelligent design idea is that it was designed as such in its current form by God or some other intelligent designer. Right. Um, so
0: evolution does provide that uh, alternative hypothesis, right? When you're talking about the design of life, it's a bottom-up design rather than a top-down design.
3: Right. Um, and the, there are obviously many other facets to this. Uh, the idea of... Uh, for I should say in support of the idea of uh, intelligent design... Um, and a lot of these have made the rounds like, uh, irreducible complexity, yeah. uh, the idea that systems are so intricate and so complex that it's inconceivable that they could have inconceivable, uh, <laughs> that it could have, um, come into being any other way other than being designed in the first place. And of course, the example they use is that the eye, uh, the eye is so, uh, complex a system that it could not have just evolved. It had to have been designed. And then the sort of last, or the last one that I'm going to touch on anyway, the last sort of four argument to the idea of intelligent design um, is that is sort of the probability argument, the idea that the likelihood of, of, of existence in the first place, that life exists as we know it today, is so improbable that it had to have had something to kickstart it because it, it seems too improbable that we would have even, you know, had life in the first place. Um, so sometimes it's it's sort of linked into the finely tuned universe that you know the universe is as it is and God is making sure that it runs properly but it's still created in the first place um, and there's that sort of also goes into the idea that the that that we're talking about the perfect systems yeah. things are perfect you look at a tree it's perfect it it pro it processes things perfectly
0: mm-hmm. uh, the the idea that the universe is finely tuned for life is so absurdly preposterous that mm-hmm. I can't even like the vast majority of the universe is instantaneously lethal to all known forms of life, <laughs> yes. you know? If it was absolutely. designed for us, it's, it's not a very good
3: design.
1: We really have this very tiny bubble.
3: Yeah, <laughs> this tiny skin.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
3: what what do you guys think would be a good argument against the idea of the complexity of the universe? Well, uh, the fact that something is complex. So complex that it had
0: to have been designed, I mean. <laughs> well, the fact, like, when you, when you look at... Um, uh, an information system, for example, uh, complexity and design have nothing to do with each other. And frequently, you want your design to be as uh, uh, you, you want to reduce complexity in your design. Uh, I mean, the more yeah. complex a system is, uh, the more points of failure there are. Uh, you want your system to be less complex. <laughs>
1: yeah, the the mm. best example mm. in, in this case is DNA. Like DNA is not a very good system for transmitting information accurately no. and decays so quickly and yeah if if somebody was going to design a system to make things like us DNA is a crappy way to do it
3: <laughs> one of the uh, one of the one of the sort of examples that I came across that sort of flies in the face of this idea and sort of touches into the perfection thing where you think that if we were designed we would function a lot better yeah as yeah creatures. Yeah, the I'll use the word from, creatures from poor design. Yeah, yeah so, you know, the, the the fact that the eye so complex and perfect a system no it fails or I you know, I yeah. can take my glasses yeah. off and I can't even see Jem's beard anymore. It's just a You big can see, red, you red, see this thing from glasses. space. Yeah. It's just it's just a big red splotch. Um, and I've always thought it, and I've I've sort of I've used this before that, you know, it's kind of an odd design that we eat down the same tube relatively uh, that we breathe out of so it's easily obstructed while you're performing something that you need to do every day like yeah eat, <laughs> yeah and that we excrete waste from the same uh the same organ that we also use to transfer our dna to other people that seems like an odd design to not me
0: the same not this well okay it's yeah. the same for, for you it's the same for
3: <laughs> us yeah. it's the yeah. same okay. i don't know about you maybe you have a different one i don't know <laughs> but you think those yeah. would all be different Systems yeah, that right. uh, they have to d- they have to double up on some of them to I don't know I guess that comes down to the make maybe that is a perfect system because they're yeah. making things less complicated.
1: <laughs> like the common phrase is running a sewage system through a recreation park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: um, and of course the sort of complexity thing, also uh, the sort of infinite regress sort of idea that well, if something is complex and it, and it, it had a, it, it had a designer, well then that designer must be more complex than the thing it designed in the first place. so why don't we need an explanation there yes and then so if god is the ultimate designer then who designed him if he is ultimate complexity then what is who designed the ultimate complexity right and well well it's always been there god was always there okay well then trees were always there it's yeah uh, there's no you get to a point where you can no neither side of the argument can really go any farther and it seems more likely that our explanation at this table is more likely yeah the other one, the designer.
1: sorry, the other mm-hmm. one that always has bugged me even more than DNA because it impacts my everyday life is that if we were created in this current form, then we were really badly designed to be bipedal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's exactly I'm, what I was thinking Oh, of. God, my yeah. back. I, I had to lie on the floor this afternoon because my back was hurting so badly. <laughs> like, I'm on back to How set are we right supposed now.
3: to reach that fruit from the tallest tree? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, wait, and
1: no. I have uh, something you called didn't. Schuerman's disease, which means that my back is curved weirdly. And so just constant pain all the time because I was not designed to yeah. be upright. Good design.
3: <laughs> also, it, uh, about the complexity thing is that it also um, assumes the definition of complexity where one person may look at a system and say, well, that's not very complex. Like, (laughs) Jam would look at a damn, you know, spaceship and be like, eh child's play whereas, whereas i would look at a spaceship and wonder what the hell i'm even looking at so it also requires somebody to define complexity like they use the watch example yes a watch is a very complex system if you have it next to a tree or something but there may be different de- varying definitions of what is complex Oh, i'd argue that the tree yeah is trees are really complex. complicated but to, from face value i mean then that's the point is that there yeah. is there is no sort of set definition of what is complex so just to say that the watch is is, is uh is less complex than its designer means that you have to now define what complexity is in the first place and obviously that's a floating definition for everyone and for
0: paley's for paley's watchmaker analogy that he was making in natural theology he was talking about like finding a a watch washed up on a beach and you wouldn't assume that that watch was natural when you look at it because of its complexity i guess compared to the sand and the ocean and whatever the ocean's (laughs) pretty damn complex anyway um, But he is, uh, there are a couple of problems, like he is looking at this watch in contrast to all sorts of things around him, and he's saying, well, if you found this watch and you are comparing it to, you know, the ocean and the waves, you would see how complex it is, so you'd see it's designed, but assuming that he's right and that life is designed, that whole... Beach is made of watches, right? Yes, the that. sand is designed, the water is designed, the universe is designed, yeah. right? So how is he making that comparison?
3: Yeah, there's there's no it's mm-hmm. in a bubble. There's no there's contrast. Nothing comp- exactly, that's correct. And you're also who, who was it that first made the the, the made beach, watches? The beaches watches. Who made that? Do you remember who made that sort uh, of? I, I don't. know yeah, that remember. quote. I've heard that quote before. That it's a sea of watches and a universe of watches, and yeah. the universe is a big watch. It's also comparing it to things that we know exist naturally. Yeah. In a bubble, in a vacuum, maybe that argument would make sense. But you're, you, we know what a watch is, we and, know what a tree is, and so that's you can't something that came up things.
0: when these missionaries came to my door. They they you know pointed out a house. Well, look at that house. You know, like that house was designed. We can see that it was designed. Uh, don't you look at the universe and see the see the same thing? And uh, looking at that house, you know, I know it was designed. Sure, but. We know that from experience to a large degree. You know, a baby yeah. doesn't know that that house is designed. Uh, we see other houses being built. We see draftsmen designing them and construction workers building them. We have experience. Yes. I don't have experience with universe building because I'm right. not from Magrathea, I guess. I think... Planet building.
2: I think part of this, too, is that maybe not so much now, but, you know, 100, 200 years ago... It was a lot easier to see what was explicitly designed because we simply couldn't see what was, like... Like, we couldn't see the internal workings of a lot of things. For Mm -hmm. example, you know, you would look at sand and you go, oh, that's sand. You wouldn't look at it and go there are thousands of different molecules in here, yeah, right? Or like, look at these tiny incredible rocks. crystalline yeah. patterns. Or we wouldn't think of something like that because we think of it as a whole. Whereas a watch, you can look at it and you say, well, clearly there are gears and there's a piece of glass and there's some metal and there's some this and there's some that in there. So it's very easy to yeah. see that explicit design. Same thing with the house. It's explicitly designed. You can see the differences and where the design happens. Whereas when yeah. you look at a tree, you just go, it's a tree. Well, you know, and when
0: you're looking at a house or a watch, you know, you can say you have, as you're saying, this piece of glass, you know, this spring here. And you can think of how could that have come to be in that arrangement? Right. And for a watch, we're like, well, somebody, the the simplest explanation is somebody put it together that way. Right. But for a tree, we can see other processes putting trees together.
3: Right. That is true. You can you can take a seed and watch the tree grow yourself. I will uh, close this on the, uh, the, the the one of the famous sort of creation, uh, and this is obviously fairly old, everybody knows it, the Ray Comfort banana analogy. The <laughs> <laughs> atheist's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <I> All right, that <laughs> Um, If you don't know what it is, I think, correct me if I, I'm actually, I didn't actually write it up right, here. It's, yeah. I'm doing this from memory. But I think the idea is that Ray Comfort, if you don't know who he is, I'm not even going to explain who he is.
0: Behold... The Atheist's Nightmare.
3: If you want to Google him, fine, but I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. <laughs> he basically said that a banana, a banana, uh, appears, you know, it's, it's first of all, it's, it's curved. So it seems to almost like point at your mouth as you hold it.
0: Notice has a point at the top for ease of entry. It's just the right shape for the human mouth. and It's even curved toward the face to make the whole process so much easier.
3: It easily opens up like a can of Coke, you know. You just take the little tabby thing and you peel it down and there inside it's delicious, it's easy to digest.
0: As with the soda can makers, they placed a tab at the top. So God has placed a tab at the top. When you pull the tab, the contents don't squirt in your face. It's chewy, easy to digest.
3: It's, see, it's designed for humans. Got a disposable wrapper. It's got a, that's right, disposable wrapper that you can also use to shine your shoes. It
0: has the ridges on the outside that fit into the curve of your, of the circle of your fingers. Yes, it's, it's Uh, about the
3: size of a, of a fist so you can hold it easily. It's not like a, you're trying to eat a watermelon. It's, it's easy to eat. There aren't any seeds in it. It's, it's, it seems like a perfectly designed, uh, that God designed this banana for us to eat. Yeah.
0: Seriously, Kurt, the whole of creation testifies to the genius of God's creative heart.
3: Whereas, of course, the actual explanation is, Jim... Uh, well h- humans designed that yes. banana for us to eat <laughs> humans designed the banana the banana is not it's not natural it's a it's a, cross it's, a it's a
0: right? it's a cultivar uh so that particular its probably a cavendish banana that he was looking at is a specific cultivar of banana and if you look at wild plantains in, they'll have seeds in them <laughs> they you know the, the skin is a lot tougher they aren't sweet and delicious like bananas right. there are lots of things about the banana that he specifically calls out in his video as evidence of god that we're explicitly put there by artificial selection
3: yeah yes and i will uh half quote uh uh, matt dillahunty from the atheist experience yeah if a banana proves that god exists what does a coconut prove (laughs) (laughs) they're really hard to eat you got to use an axe to open them (laughs) Uh, and and that's another part of it is that the you know to sort of put a close on this and with a lot of these arguments the inverse of this is never a Point of counter example, yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, what does a coke, does a coconut prove that God doesn't exist and that, you know, or the devil made the coconut? We yeah. don't know. It's not, you can't use those arguments against.
0: Yeah, J- just like the argument from miracles, you know, that my friend was saved from this, you know, was going to get on this plane right. and then it blew up and my friend didn't get on there because, you know, God. Saved her or whatever. Right. Well, so God decided not to save all those other people. Right. Yeah. And my super yeah.
3: religious friend got hit by a truck yesterday. You know, like, what is that? Not my, that, first of all, that never happened. <laughs> I'm using that as an example. My God, yeah, I'm so sorry. No, no, no that never happened. I'm just saying as an example yeah. that v- bad things happen to very religious people too. And I'm sure you could probably look through all of our lives and see close calls that, that you could say, that was a close one. Yeah. yeah. And if God saved me, well, yeah. what the fuck is he doing? He screwed up. <laughs> God's an atheist. God's. He wants
0: to promote atheism. Mind. Blown. <laughs> <laughs> hey, God would be an atheist, right? He's like, oh, I wonder who created me. How did I get here? <laughs> he would be
3: an atheist to every other God. Right. So mm-hmm. he would, he, you know, except That's for ju- himself. It
0: turns out the Christian God was created by Ganesh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there it is.
1: Yeah. My, my favorite counter argument to the banana thing, you know, the banana fits perfectly in your hand. But it also fits perfectly in your anus.
3: (laughs) What is God trying to tell us? Exactly.
0: (laughs) Good. Okay, so uh, I've got one more argument that I want to cover, uh, and then we have some fun stuff to talk about at the end. Yay! Uh, So, so this is a doozy. Sorry. It's the cosmological argument. I know everybody's groaning. I'm sorry. No, I Um, want to hear about it. Go. We actually, (laughs) we we talked about the cosmological argument briefly on, oh, way back on episode 18, Uh, Mm -hmm. our first Wi-Fi episode, Uh, but uh, since it is one of the most popular and intuitive arguments for the existence of God, we'd be remiss if we left it out of our apologetics episode. So, uh, the cosmological argument, it's a classic, it goes thus, everything has a cause, there can't be an infinite chain of causes. So if you follow the causes backward, eventually you'll arrive at a first cause. That first cause must, by its nature, be uncaused because it's the first. Hmm. Nothing can exist without a cause except for God. Therefore, God exists.
3: That's stupid. <laughs> I, I followed you to the to the point that you said that... Uh, I'm sorry, go through that chain again. So
0: everything has a cause. Uh-huh. We can't have an infinite number of causes, so there must be a first one. Sure. The first cause can't have a cause because it's the first cause. Uh, Nothing can exist without a cause except God. Ah, there's (laughs) your problem. (gasps) <gasps> says who yeah okay so sure yeah uh, why is God the, the getting the special treatment here yes so uh, this is actually a form of special pleading uh, where you demand different standards for your claim that don't apply to other claims so here everything has to have a cause except God why don't we say everything needs a cause except the universe Um, There you go. We just stop at one step earlier.
3: The universe is God. There's all... Shut up. Okay. Uh, There's also
0: (laughs) (laughs) the problem uh, that the first premise and the second, third, fourth premises are all kind of in conflict. So the first premise is everything has a cause. And then the remaining three premises are like, well, some things don't have causes, guys. Let's not be so hasty. That, that's a problem. Uh, the argument also obviously says nothing about the nature of God. You know, this could be a, a deistic God, mm-hmm. so it doesn't get you to Jesus. God could be replaced with uh, spontaneous quantum fluctuations or eddies in the space time wash or even a big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. So the argument will work just as well. And it's actually not certain that premise one is true that everything has a cause. You know, uh,
3: yeah, sorry, Jim. I was going to, because I was going to actually ask. What what do you mean by cause? Like, it had to have existed or it has to have a function?
0: Uh, it has to uh, have a reason to exist. It has to have an explanation. Ah. Yeah,
1: something must have done something to something cause
0: it. Something must have caused it to exist. Caused and well, it. I'll actually get into, get into that a, a little bit deeper, too. <laughs> but as we discussed in a recent episode about free will, there may be some events, particularly on the quantum scale, that are fundamentally uncaused. Uh, it's also possible that the observed laws governing cause and effect are local rather than universal. Uh, Our experience of causality is limited to, like, low energies and medium scales in recent times. So who knows if everything does, in fact, need a cause.
3: certainly seems that way in our everyday lives. I'm sorry, I can't interrupt, but you're saying that because of our short time scale that we have as a human existence, it may be that at a different plane of existence that we're not aware that things don't have causes. Uh, It
0: may It may be. Yeah, or it may be that things on a very small scale or things on a very large scale, you know, the micro or the super macro, don't need causes in the same way. And uh, this uh, explanation also fails the test of Occam's razor. Who remembers what Occam's razor is? Anyone?
1: It is that if there are multiple explanations for a thing, the explanation that requires the fewest extra assumptions is usually the one that's correct.
0: Yeah. Nice. The one with the fewest (laughs)
1: assumptions or that posits the fewest
0: entities should be preferred. Uh, So if we have a choice between assuming that God is the uncaused and eternal first cause and he created the universe, or we can assume that the universe itself is eternal in some form, this second option is more parsimonious. So we should stop our causal regress one step earlier. Parsimonious? Parsimonious, uh, it it requires fewer assumptions.
1: It's a beautiful word.
0: It's like thrifty. (laughs) (laughs) Thrifty
3: with your ideas. It's
1: thrifty with extra
3: syllables. It is a good word. I've never heard that word in my life. I'm going to use it incorrectly in my everyday life. Excellent.
0: Uh, So a variant of this argument called the Kalam cosmological argument originated in the Islamic scholarly tradition, uh, but is more recently being championed by popular apologist and amateur Scott Bakula impersonator William Lane Craig, mentioned earlier in the episode. Uh, Craig's formulation attempts to address the special pleading criticism. So... Where the cosmological argument states, everything needs a cause except God, as Ian pointed out. Mm. Uh, Kalam says, anything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe had a cause. And we call that cause God. So we've replaced a rule that specifically exempts God from needing a cause with a rule that specifically exempts a category of things from needing a cause. That is the category of things that don't begin to exist. Unfortunately, unless we can come up with something other than God that occupies the category doesn't begin to exist, this (laughs) still amounts to special pleading. (laughs) Because basically what you're saying is instead of uh, saying God doesn't have to follow the rules, this category of things that only contains God doesn't have to follow (laughs) the rules. Uh, But there's also a couple of other subtle fallacies in this argument. One is the fallacy of composition. Specifically, the first premise— anything that begins to exist has a cause, talks about things, while well, the second premise, the universe began to exist, talks about the universe. But the universe isn't a thing. It's not a singular entity. It's, actually, it's the set of all entities, right? So a property that applies to all members of a set individually doesn't necessarily apply to the whole set itself, And properties that apply to a set don't necessarily apply to all of the set's members. So uh, that may seem hard to follow. Uh, Bear with me. I'll give you an example. All atoms have the property of being invisible to the naked eye. Dogs are made entirely out of atoms. But dogs don't have the property being invisible to the naked eye. We can see them, right? So even though all of their component parts at the smallest level or at a small level have this property, being invisible, that doesn't mean that the, the set itself, the whole, altogether, the composite, has that property. Right. Hmm. So even if it were true that everything that begins to exist has a cause, that doesn't necessarily apply to the set of all things, which is the universe. Sure. And here's maybe a weird question for you, and Ian, you touched on this earlier. Does anything actually begin to exist when it comes right down to it? Like, I mean, at the level of common usage, things come into being all the time, from chairs to mountains to people. But none of these things really begin to exist ex nihilo. Uh, They're merely rearrangements of pre-existing things, you know, wood and rocks and cells and molecules and stuff, that we apply a new label to.
2: Well, I think that comes back to that uh, thought experiment argument that we talked about <laughs> with the, the axe and that depending yeah, on the culture. Yeah, grandfather's axe, ship of yeah, Theseus. I, I think it really depends on what kind of uh, view and, and cultural history you come from as to whether or not something begins to exist. Well,
0: Well, however you want to phrase it, what I'm saying is I think there's an equivocation going on here. So it's easy to agree that things begin to exist. You know, like, sure. we, 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 we create something. But they begin to exist when they're made out of other things. So, you know, human life begins at conception. In You know, insert argument here. Uh, but for the sake of argument, right? Hu- human life, you know, you know, your new person begins when these two cells uh, merge. Okay? But they were made out of other things. They didn't come into existence ex nihilo. So the first premise says everything that begins to exist has a cause, but that is talking about things that begin to exist from other things, right? This premise relies on our intuitive understanding of things beginning to exist, and every example of a thing beginning to exist that we can reason about is something beginning to exist from other things, right? Right. Mm -hmm. But then premise two, when it talks about the universe beginning to exist, it's not talking about the universe beginning to exist from other things. It's talking about the universe
2: beginning just to exist.
0: starting out of nothing, out right. of no pre-existing matter. It's not a new arrangement like the first premise is talking about. It's talking about the universe, it's on. And that is rather different. So if you're trying to make a logical chain between those two, that's an equivocation fallacy. You're using beginning to exist in two different ways to mean two different things. So you can't right. have it's that. It's really not fair. <laughs> There's another variant of the cosmological argument called the Leibniz cosmological argument, but I won't go into it Laura because... About that guy. Uh, I, th- I think it's a different Leibniz, but I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I can sense that if we start talking about that, our listeners, are their eyes are going to glaze over and their fingers are going to reach for the unsubscribe button the longer I ramble on. So... Uh, I just want to ask yeah, people. Yeah, I a question. might do that, and I'm on this damn podcast. <laughs> uh, what is the
3: dumbest argument for the existence of God that you come across?
1: Uh, mm, not
3: uh, like dumb, but it's dumb in my own mind that you know people. And we've talked about this before. Like people believe in God because well, my mom wouldn't lie. You know, they don't. They don't, necess- <laughs> they don't necessarily believe in. And you know, I, I, maybe it's not as. I think people believe in. Partic- not particularly religious, but they just, like my, my my own mother, for example, she believes in God, but she doesn't go to church. She doesn't really identify with a particular religion. She just believes in God, and that's it. And I think that sometimes people don't even know the reason. So when you ask them, it's like, well, why do you believe in God? Well, I don't know. I just do. Somebody told me that there was, so I believed it. That <laughs> seems like the stupidest <laughs> effing thing that you could ever have, yeah. to believe something just because someone told you so.
1: And I guess my dumbest thing would be very similar. Um, And I I understand the argument, but mine would be, well, I believe that God is real because the Bible says so.
3: Yeah, because the Bible told me so. The
1: Bible is the unfallible word of God. And so, yes, that's obviously
2: that's a there's a god. And egg
3: situation. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Uh, name yeah. that logical fallacy: <laughs> chicken and egg fallacy. <laughs> uh, begging the question. Yeah, you know.
1: so I guess that one, when it's they can't like one, come up with reason. more evidence than that, it really bothers me. Like, really, that's your best argument?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I went through a list of arguments. The, the, the common consent argument always uh, bugs me. That's the argument that basically says most people throughout forever have believed in a god. Oh, uh, yeah. So, they probably weren't wrong about something so fundamental to their lives, like so many people. Uh, so it's more plausible to believe that they were right, therefore God. Sure. Yeah, uh, so sense. obviously that's, that's an argument from uh, you know, popularity, but yeah. I'm also not super convinced. Like you were saying, Ian, you know, your mom believes in God, but you know, she doesn't go to church or whatever. I'm not convinced that it is actually that profound in a lot of people's lives, this belief in a God. You know, it's they just do and then it goes yeah. into the background. Know, yeah, even if they things. go to church, you know, like most of the time when they're making coffee, when they're walking to work, when they're having fun with their kids, they're not
3: thinking about God, they're not talking about God, they're you know, they're just living their lives, man. That's very true. And then there are other people who are the exact opposite of that. Everything is to do with God. Yeah. There's no getting around it. You can't go five seconds without mentioning it.
1: Well, and even yeah. in, I in I the Middle Ages, people. I took a, a class <laughs> that was basically the history of the Middle Ages. Yeah. And the first thing the professor said was like so you're going to have to deal with the fact that the history of the Middle Ages is basically the history of Christianity because it's just so ingrained in... And we were talking about Europe. Right. Um, But even in the Middle Ages, people went to church because that's just what you did and that's what the community was centered around. You know, and they didn't... And we have... Uh, examples going back thousands of years of like game boards being scratched into pews. That's one of the <laughs> it's one of the best preservation techniques of of ancient games. Is what was drawn on on ancient shut churches shut the hell up really? yeah so people they That's didn't actually they weren't a... no. going to church every week because they were super devout it's just what you did
2: well and also the church controlled every yeah. as well yeah. so it's not even There's a matter a lot more, uh, of uh, oh yeah a lot less carrot, a lot more stick it was more yeah. so like or you'll be shunned and we'll be yeah. Shunned, yeah, we will be shunned we won't get all... any this or that or whatever, you know, we'll have our land being taken away. The you know.
3: atheists in town. In a medieval Yeah, you just Europe. weren't. <laughs> there, yeah. First of all, there <laughs> would be were, no such thing. But you thing, just but... didn't
2: say anything, you know, you just showed up. And it didn't even matter so much whether. And in those kinds of societies, I'm sure it could be argued that it didn't matter so much whether or not you believed so long as you showed up and you paid your tithes and you did that. Like, because it was a control thing. It wasn't a. It wasn't actually it a spirituality, is. right, but more so in that culture <laughs> and time.
0: Uh, I was going through a list in the actual dumbest argument uh, that I found, and this is from a list that was it, like 20 reasons to believe in a god, and it was a, a totally legitimate like list, but this one just stuck out at me. It was number 17. I'll link to it in the show notes is from strangenotions.com and this argument I will present in its entirety. This is all they have to say about it. Number 17. The argument from aesthetic experience. Premise one. There is the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. (laughs) Conclusion. Therefore there must be a God. (laughs) You either see this one or you
1: don't. (laughs) Beautiful things exist therefore God.
0: If any of our listeners have encountered strange proofs of God that they'd like to share with us please send them in. I'd be delighted to hear them. Oh wait I got
3: one more. Um and this is I'm paraphrasing of course, but this is something that uh Katie Perry once said, <laughs> and she did actually say this I'm not this isn't a joke well I mean it, no she <laughs> she uh, apparently as a, a a teenager or a child or whatever she she prayed to have breasts so large that when she laid down she couldn't see her feet and good job, God <laughs> good job <laughs>
0: Uh, Okay, so we're going to end the podcast (laughs) with a brief correction, a listener question, and a couple iTunes reviews. This is exciting. Mm. So, uh, correction, real quick. Past host Greg Christensen uh, was very disappointed that he didn't get a Star Trek reference in our episode about criminal justice. Mm -hmm. So he sent us uh, in this correction. You failed to mention the tough-on-crime policies employed by the Edo. For shame, Jim. For shame. So, Greg, I I have a present for you this is uh relevant to this podcast this starship
4: could it carry
0: my wisdom beyond the barrier
4: it could yes then i shall make use of this starship
1: it will be your chariot
4: excuse me it will carry my power to every corner of creation
1: excuse me i'd just like to ask a question what does God need with a starship? Bring the ship closer. I see.
0: <laughs> what does
3: God need with a starship? Uh, what a what a great question. <laughs> what does God need with a starship? It uh, seems it, fair. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> it, Shatner yeah. hamming it up.
1: What does God need with, uh, with a lot of the
0: stuff
3: he needed in the Bible,
0: you know? The yeah. Ark of the Covenant, for example.
1: God, so the, much writing about all of the... Crap! That they had to put all, get all, all together to build stuff. <laughs> uh, no, not the foreskins, but like has to be like a hundred emeralds the and, and uh, the special wood and oh goodness, it was so terrible. Okay, right
0: so we did have one listener question, and that listener question is Ian, where are you going? <laughs> we mentioned uh, <laughs> it came up on a previous episode that uh,
3: that oh. you were like going to be leaving or something. So
0: are you not going to be on the show anymore?
3: That's a hell of a good question. Actually, I would like to be on the show, but. Obviously, the fun part of this is getting together as a group and drinking coffee and sometimes having treats. Um, And I don't want to harken back to the days where we did this over the Internet, uh, where there was, you know, obviously a delay and blah, 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 blah. It just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. And as much as I'd like to contribute, maybe we can try like one or two and see how they turn out.
1: We could just have you on a laptop with Skype, and then the three of us, or the four of us together, and, then put, a <laughs> and put a microphone right, microphone. right up to <laughs>
3: the,
1: <laughs> the... <laughs> Or we could probably just feed it right into the mixy yeah. thing.
0: Well,
3: yeah, we'll start plugging in wires <laughs> we'll and it. hope for the best.
0: So, so to actually answer the listener's question, Ian is moving away. <laughs> yes.
3: My, my wife uh, got into a relatively prestigious uh, acting school in Vancouver called Studio 58, just to toot her horn a little bit, she uh, she auditioned to get into two schools, one in Toronto and one in Vancouver, and she got into both. Woo! So mm-hmm. we got to choose where we wanted to go, which was cool. Um, and we chose Vancouver. Uh, it is a, it is a longer uh, three year uh, term, but it's cheaper and it's Vancouver, <laughs> so that seemed like the right choice to do. <laughs> longer time away, but the school itself is cheaper and uh, it's Vancouver rather than horrible, horrible Toronto. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm. Being, seeing that we're married, I'm also going with her um, to uh, pay the bills, basically. That's all I'm there for, because uh, she's going to be in school, so I'm going to be working my balls off to uh, try to live in Vancouver, which is going to be very, yeah, very that's difficult. Yeah, not going to be fun. But, you know. Good
0: luck! Uh, yeah. We'll miss
1: you, man. And our yeah. listeners will miss you, too.
3: No, they won't. <laughs> they won't miss me.
1: They'll miss you once the audio quality goes drastically <laughs> down. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> which is something we need to talk about after yeah. this podcast is done.
1: If you want to help our audio quality not go down, you could donate some money to us. Yeah, uh, Jem actually. has uh, made us a fancy new page for it.
0: Yeah, if you go to luee podcast wordpress dot com, there is a link on the side to that you can click to donate via PayPal. You can also become a supporter of the show. We had some listeners request. We had we had a listener request. Thanks, man. Yeah. We had a listener request recurring donations, so uh, uh, you can uh, do a recurring donation uh, for just uh, you know a couple bucks Canadian to help uh, keep the lights on, uh, keep the mics on, to support the show. So we'd really appreciate it because we do this you know out of pocket. We make no money. There's no advertising. We make negative money. <laughs> Yo, we lose quite a lot of money and quite a lot of time doing this show, but we you know we like it.
3: Yeah, I have a uh, as I've said a thousand times as well. I also have a wrestling podcast. <laughs> which no one listens to, no one, well, 16 people listen to, I should add, uh, I spend hours editing it, and then I bug Jam to post it, because I don't know how to do that, so Jem <laughs> still has to waste his time to post my personal podcast about wrestling, and which I obviously appreciate, it's wasting time for zero gain, other than my own personal enjoyment, and, and that's fun. good and enough for me. Fun is good. Yeah. Well, I don't know, we have 16 like subscribers or something, I, don't oh, know. Okay. I haven't actually looked in a while, maybe we have more now, but... Um, either way, I do it because I love to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so while we're doing plugs, does anyone else have any plugs? Uh, we should plug Laura's blog. Laura uh, has a blog called Dietitian at Home, which we'll link to in the show notes.
2: Dietitianathome.wordpress.com. Home. <laughs> uh,
0: and in the month of November, she is doing uh, blog posts every day. That's yes. a lot of blog posts.
2: It really is. I think I overestimated my abilities (laughs) considering that it is 1030 and I haven't written one for today yet.
0: External motivation. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, you should visit that. Uh, We'll link to it in the show notes. It's uh, dietitianathome.wordpress.com. And it's
1: great. Uh, She's a really good writer.
2: Thanks. Yeah.
1: If you have suggestions for what Laura should write
0: about the rest of the
2: month, (laughs) send them in. Please do. That would be awesome.
0: So uh, Laura's a dietitian. Uh, What is food? (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's a combination of oh, molecules I I'll read about it on your blog <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh and finally uh, iTunes reviews So I'd like to remind our listeners that uh, aside from giving us money the best thing you can do to support our podcast is to go into iTunes and just give us a star rating Even better is just write a couple words about why you like the show It is. It's awesome It's the thing that mm-hmm. is Most likely it is featured in the iTunes store, which really helps new listeners find us. And maybe that will mean that we'll get, you know, more than a couple of donations so that we can actually afford to continue to, you know, we can maybe afford to buy a mixer and, you know, buy some better mics and like that. So uh, I, uh, with that in mind, I'd like to read, uh, we've got two recent iTunes reviews that I'd like to read. Uh, One, uh, smart, funny, and topical. It's a five-star review from Jim. Jim said, these folks cover a wide range of topics. They're well-researched and presented in a way that is easy to understand, a uh, conversational manner. These are smart people, and they're smart enough to explain themselves when they start getting too deep into a topic. There are <laughs> over 100 episodes now, so you're sure to find a few topics you'll love. Well, thanks, Jim. That's that's very nice. Wow, that was that was yeah. very nice.
3: Mm-hmm. Not uh, a disparaging word in the bunch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we also had a review from Diane who called the show insightful and stimulating conversation. Uh, She especially liked the Conspiracy Theories episode. Uh, She had no idea so many existed. And Diane also said, Jem is excellent at keeping it focused and pointing out logical fallacies. I think maybe one of those things is true. <laughs> we'll let
2: you be the judge, yeah. dear listeners. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of editing that goes on. And a lot of sharp looks from my co-panelists when I start digressing. It's Max well, from Laura. Yeah, it's,
3: that's yeah. did you hear that? That that smacking noise? That is an exaggerated noise for what happens often. But we love you, Jim. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. Well, I don't, but... So leave us reviews, and maybe we'll
0: read them on the show. And... Whether we do or don't, they'll make us feel good. So thanks. yeah. And thank you for joining me, folks. Thank you, Jim.
1: Thanks, Jim. Have a good night.
0: Good night. You've been listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. If you have any questions or comments, or you'd like to suggest a topic for the show, send us an email at podcast at winnipegskeptics.com. If you want to show your support, give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook, or just share the show with a friend. Our music is produced by the very talented Ian James, and this episode was edited by Jem Newman.
3: I just recorded that conversation, so hope you want it for prosperity. Posterity? Posterity. (laughs) Prosperity? What did I say? Prosperity. Is that what I was supposed to say? Posterity. (laughs) I'll posture (laughs) your-sterity, Newman. Rip that fancy beard off your face and wear it. (laughs) It's a a trophy. Wow.
0: Is is getting to the length where I could start, you know, forking it? Oh, God. You
2: just did that.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'll undo it. <laughs> Combing it back together. Uh, the discussion that ensues. I recently yeah. had a visit from a couple of very nice fellows from a local church, which I wrote up for uh, for my blog. I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes. Full disclosure: I haven't actually
3: written this yet, but I'll get around <laughs> You'll to get it, to by, it. By, by the time this episode is edited, now. You have a deadline. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's on the internet, Jim. You cannot go against the internet. <laughs>
4: that's
3: that's proof of God for me right there. Is uh, is that is that lady? She is. Uh... Well put together lasts. <laughs> well, I mean, I've done a lot of uh, "quote unquote" research um, into her, uh, into her, her. As Jam is rubbing his forehead right now in in frustration. I'm just going to keep going though, because it's you know.
2: You know this is all getting cut, right?
3: I love Katy Perry. <laughs>
1: I find her songs very catchy.
3: <laughs> and she sings them live, too. You can see some uh, videos of her singing on various shows that uh, it's not good. But it's live. I'd rather have a not good singer live yeah. than somebody just minding yes. it.
0: Did hmm. she do Just Dance? Is that her? Or is no, that, that, no that, it's that was Lady Gaga. Gaga. Yeah, okay.
2: Katy Perry is roar. I Kissed a Girl. Firework. And I liked it. Oh, for fuck's sake. The taste yeah. of her cherry chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> That's playing to your audience, right
0: That's plain <laughs> your audience right there. That's playing to your audience right there. And thank you for joining me, folks. Thank you, Jim.
1: Thanks, Jim. Have a good night. Good night. Ampersand.
3: Also, That's I. not uh, your water Appersand, dish. Ampersand, get down. Obviously, the fun part of this is getting together as a group and drinking coffee and sometimes having treats. <laughs> um, I didn't bring Twizzlers today. I was running late, so. I'm oh,
1: sorry. Sh- hold on. Whoa. <laughs> Something in the oven? <laughs>
3: oh. oh, good. Yay.
1: Yay. Thank
3: you. Because, you know, all this fun. Spa- Noise won't have to get cut out anyway, so I'm <laughs> probably just gonna have some of this Twizzler and uh, then we're just gonna start again. Actually, you know what? I'm not even gonna do that, I'm just gonna start again.